Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. They show Wentz throw two terrible interceptions in the fourth quarter, and I assume, (laughs) quite rightly, that Jacksonville is going to run away with this game. Then after that, Wentz throws two touchdown passes. Two touch after throwing two terrible picks. And and they win. Washington plus two at Detroit. We got you are so right about Redstone. Never covered the Washington kick. Because there's never any action in it. No, it's always like, oh, we're checking in. It's twelve to (laughs) eleven. The Tony Kornheiser show is on now. Let's start with uh, JD from Saskatoon. Says, I've been a TK Little since 2010. Over the years, I've always appreciated and enjoyed the show with many different topics and discussions. This Friday, September 16th, that's today. That is today, yes. I'm turning 35 years of age. Personally, for me, this is a huge milestone, although it's not 40, thus I'm not a man yet. (laughs) I'm wondering if I could get a birthday greeting from you and the team. Past two summers, I've been working at a golf course on the maintenance side of things, of which I'm usually listening to this brilliant podcast. Makes time fly by, and for that, I personally want to thank you for the many hours I get to spend with you guys in my ear. Here's the thing. We don't do this. We don't give birthday shout-outs. Not even for Salinger? That's right. Well, J.D. Salinger would get one. Yeah, (laughs) okay. Um, I don't know about J.D. Dreiger uh, from Saskatoon. Not even Martinez. You know, J.D. Martinez does not get one. So we're not going to do it. But we wish, I mean, we're we're happy to read it. Sure. Because we like him. We do. We like him. We don't want to encourage, because what's going to happen is we're going to get 5,000 of these. I'm going to say no. <laughs> yes. and, and so you can all blame JD. Right. You know, so we're going to wish happy birthday to JD, but you can blame him for the fact that you're not going to get it. <laughs> well, now you're the just... fairway lines are going to be cut a little crooked this weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, that's right. He'll change not the Not on that new Tahoma 31. I got my booster. Michael got his booster. I am now, um, I got it on Saturday. I went to the... CVS at the Target on Wisconsin Avenue, where I'd had such a wonderful experience with Evelyn. And I'll just tell you the story briefly. I called there. A lot of people try to book these things online. I don't know how to do that. I call pharmacies directly. It takes a long time to get through because at a CVS, they want you to deal with the national CVS protocol. Yes. And they want you to make appointments online and all of that. So it's you, almost like the pharmacists are working with customers. Right. It's almost like that. Although every once in a while, they probably catch a break and to talk to someone. And you have to be persistent and you have to scream representative and you have to do everything you have to do. And so I got a young woman named Emily. And I said, I'd had this wonderful experience with Evelyn and I was hoping I could get the booster over there. And she said, I'll call you when we get it in. We don't have it in yet. I'll call you. Now, what do you think the odds are of that actually happening? I placed them at about 5%. <laughs> well, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way to say to people, I gave her my name and number, but you know, I, I did not believe it. Three days later, I got a call and she said, can you come in by four o'clock? I said, I can come in by 1.30. She said, well, we go to lunch from 1.30 to two. I said, I'll be there before you go to lunch. And indeed, I got my booster shot from Emily. Very sweet. Emily. Emily. Um, and I sat, I didn't realize I had to sit there for a while. Yeah, they have oh, to yeah, watch you for 15 long minutes. To monitor you. Make sure you don't have an adverse reaction. So that me. was fine. I, the, my reaction that I got, I asked what the reactions would be. And there was a sort of a wide berth as to what the reactions would be. One of which was, you know, there's always slight fever. There's always aches and pains on the, at the injection site. And then one of them was exhaustion. 24 hours later. At one o'clock, 
on Sunday when I'm getting ready to watch Red Zone for the first time this year, I couldn't keep my eyes open. Took a two-hour nap, and that was my only reaction. Michael, I am now, I've, I lead, I lead the country. Yeah, this is five. I've had two vaccines. This is my third booster. Everything that's available. Because you're sneaking in because of your age. You're getting access to boosters when I would not necessarily right. be eligible. I believe that there are no more than 10% of the country who's had the amount of shots that I've had to this point. Because the Omicron booster just came out. I don't know that there's an enormous demand for it, except among old people. Right. But I, I'm, I got all the law will allow. You do too. Yeah, so I, but I had almost a 10-month gap between my first booster, which was right after Thanksgiving, as you started to see the Delta variant, and then I had some natural immunity from the beginning of the summer. I don't need to go into more of that detail, but right. I'm sure if you have young kids, you're still trying to get as much protection as you can, no matter where you are in terms of natural immunity or otherwise, uh, because right now it's just there's so much of the virus going through schools and it's not necessarily that it's Tell making them what you sick because you're you. seeing you are seeing these kids not really go down with anything serious it's it's more just about how can you get them back into the classroom as quickly as possible and make sure you're protecting everyone else so henry got his third uh shot which is still part of his regimen yeah but he's a three-year-old so and he's a he's a big three he's so a big, he's this a thing is not really doing anything <laughs> for him. he's a big boy tight end uh but the next no. day we get a call from the preschool <laughs> saying you got to come pick him up because he got somebody else low grade fever right, right. Uh, and it, we brought him home we did the you know under the arm we did forehead thermometer i always go to the temple because i think you can get a higher reading up there right nothing uh but because of your experience i went online I booked my double my double booster, so I'm I'm set for the flu. If they guessed, yeah, I didn't get the flu at the same the time because I didn't want that conflict in my body. I'll get the flu shot in October. So I had an 11 a appointment. I get there early and I just politely ask if there's any chance. You know, I'm, I know you're busy, but I I'm here if, if you're going to be able to see uh, see me. And eventually, she calls out Kornheiser. Are are you related to Tony? You go, oh yeah, he's my dad. I just wanted to thank you for being so accommodating to mom and dad and. Uh, you know, we, we've been hearing great stories about you. And she goes, do you know he has a podcast? I was like, do I know he has a podcast? How do you get it? Uh, so, of course, uh, she helps me sit down. I get, you know, I have no issues with the with the shot. But she was just so bewildered. She told me the whole experience about last spring where another tech at a CVS called her up and then followed up saying, well, Tony's kind of famous. She had no idea who you were. No, it's wonderful. Still it's wonderful. has no idea, except no, that you have you... a podcast. And apparently some people listen. Yeah. That's wonderful. Who go to the Tenley Town Target. Pretty yeah. much sums it up. Yeah. It's wonderful. All right. The, the critical thing to talk about today are the nominees for the Toy Hall of Fame. Nigel told me about this yesterday, and I have this from Josh Cromwell in Moselle, Mississippi. I don't know if you've seen the latest nominees for the Toy Hall of Fame, but one of the toys under consideration is the top. Yes. How is the top not a first ballot Hall of Famer? It's older than everything but dirt, which I suppose makes it fair that sand went in last year. But it's definitely on par with the yo-yo hula hoop building blocks or the pogo stick. I wish Wilbon was around so he could scream at all the millennials for this miscarriage of justice. What else? The, the top should be in. There's another one that I could not believe was Does the not top in. get hurt by, you know, the way that's broken down? Because you also have the dreidel, which is a toy, but also part of a ceremony. I don't know. I would have thought the spinning top would have gotten in. At least the band, right? I would have thought early, very early. There's another one that I cannot believe is not in. Is that bingo? Bingo. Bingo. How yeah, that, can bingo, bingo you got not be in? <laughs> bingo is the, is the most popular game in the world. How can bingo not be in at this point? Very. How can sand be in is, is and a not Is a game bingo? a toy? You know. 
Well, they but they put in clue. They put yeah, in chutes and ladders. Yes. You know, so I mean, they've expanded the definition of what a toy is to include games. How could bingo? Do you, I don't know if it's still true, but you can go to any VFW in America sure. on a Tuesday night, and there's you know a hundred people screaming. What what night B6. is six? <laughs> you know, come on, bingo. What night do they have it at Ingleside? Do we know the schedule? <laughs> Every night. <laughs> Every night. night. Um, yeah, it's so a double th- showing. They got the 4 o'clock to the 5.30. <laughs> Every night. Really, really clean up. Yeah, so in, alphabet- in alphabetical order, yes. Um, alphabetical order, rather. Bingo is first. Should be in. Briar Horses. I don't know what that is. Yeah, not familiar. They're, they're sort of... Um, Do you know what Briar Horses are? Like the, the plastic molded horses. Yeah. I don't think they should be in. Briar's um, ice cream. Yeah, love the ice cream, not so much the horses. Uh, ice cream's okay. Uh, ca- I don't like the ice cream. Catan or Caton. That's one of your games, Nodge. Don't pretend you don't know it. I've never heard of this. I yes, don't know it what looks is. like something I would have played. What is it? Uh, it was a German... Yeah, it was a German board game, sort of a fantasy. We're not putting thing. in German board games ahead of bingo. <laughs> German board me? games about strategy. Come on, no, yeah, yeah, no thank you. <laughs> a, little, a little dicey with the origins of that. Light bright, which is I don't know what that it's is. like a board. This is a picture of it for the people looking at. Yeah, um, it just sounds like News Channel 8. something where you whiten your teeth. <laughs> yeah, you just sort of. Make yeah, well, they're going to put teeth whitener in there ahead of bingo, right? Masters of the Universe, the, uh, I've the heard figures. Of that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right. I don't think like a toy. That's a figurine. Skeletor. Yeah. Things like that. N- uh, Nerf toys. No, there might be Nerf things already in there. I thought there was a Nerf hoop. You in have there. to know Nerf toys. I, no, I, I do. Specifically, what they say toy. What I'm toy, saying is, if gun. you have any Nerf things in there already, <laughs> that covers all Nerf things. You, you, there's not a separate category. It's not a separate category. I it, mean, it's uh, look when you put the Beatles in. You don't have to put Paul in separately because well, he, he had other songs with other bands. But there are people who do that. Like he, he could know. be introduced for, you know, inducted for, for Wings as well as I the don't Beatles. really get that. <laughs> I don't really get that. You're in, you're in. Right? Wings, fine. The Beatles. <laughs> the Beatles covers everything. Stop. The uh, Beatles. Uh, the, Nerf, the Nerf commercials from my childhood are still so frustrating where they set up this elaborate, you know, basically backyard war scene. Right. And you, and you then have to go all over the yard to pick up the individual pieces. Yeah, never really worked out the way it the seemed. Yellow the yellow styrofoam <laughs> arrow. Yes, yes. Uh, pinata, another one. Didn't think that was a toy Not so a much toy. as a great excuse to get candy at a birthday party. Pinata exists to be destroyed. Yeah. I don't know. I think that sends a bad message (laughs) to kids. Some card game, I'm not familiar with this, I apologize, named Phase 10. Have you heard of this? No, never heard of it. Sounds like a Phase 10 sounds like a condo. Uh, in South Florida, there's Phase Del 10. Bocavis. Yeah, Phase a, 10. A Rummy-style no, card game. In? Yes. If, no. Pound puppies? Are you familiar with this? No. Yeah. Uh, what are was, pound puppies? You smash dogs no, no, with no, a hammer? Is that like puppy pals? That's big with the kids now. It, it's like a, a, a little toy dog um, that you get to raise instead of an actual real dog, I guess. No, then put Chessie in. Right, Chessie. Chessie should definitely be in the Toy Hall of Fame. Racco? I'm Milton Bradley Company. I'm not sure what this game is. Don't know. Milton Bradley either. makes a lot of games. They did. Racket. Spirograph, which was something you sort of drew designs on a piece of yeah, paper. Yeah, you put like a pen in it and then you spin it around a yes, piece of paper. Exactly, yes. And then, of course, top, which says, uh, yeah, since ancient times, the spinning top has been a childhood top. staple of cultures. How can, yes. how can uh, the top and bingo... Not be in, or how many years have they been putting people in? Oh, oh that's a good question. No, I, honestly, I, bingo. Yeah, and now it may be egregious. out of fashion now. It may be that nobody plays bingo anymore. But there were a period of time in the 1950s and 60s and 70s when millions of people, millions, maybe tens of millions of people on any given weeknight 
would gather around the country and play bingo. Yeah. That, I did it. You know, it's inconceivable to me that bingo is not already in the toy. Well, look at it from the other way. Do you think they have a... Do you think they have a system where they categorize all the possible candidates and maybe bingo and top are tier A right. and they're trying to reserve some of those so that they can build an entire Hall of Fame weekend around it? Maybe you're right. And they'll have, where is the toy, toy Hall of Fame? Cooperstown. No, it's not in Cooperstown. No, is it, it is, in Canton? I think, no, I think it's up in New York. Really? Um, yeah, but, but not Cooperstown. Wouldn't it be great sure. if it's but, just next door to Cooperstown? <laughs> here's, here's what I would come back to say to you about, and that's a great strategic point you're making. My feeling was that people sat down and somebody said, you know, bingo's not in. And they went, what? Bingo's not in? Because they don't know what's in. They don't pay attention to what's in. Rochester is where it is. It's in Rochester, New York? Yes, the strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, Do you think it's near Oak Hill? Could we make a weekend out of it? (laughs) I think you could book it as a Get Mark Tuohy, who used to caddy at Oak Hill, to come play with us where he grew up. I think his dad was the police chief. I think. I think you've got an in. Campaigning for the removal of sand. Is that... You get rid of sand. Oh, I should have mentioned Tim Kirchner also nominated this year. He's <laughs> been practicing his speech. <laughs> Got this other thing, too. I'm just going to read this. FYI, we'll be in PGA National in Florida in November and December. Thanksgiving and Christmas with, are booked with the kinda. That's family, <laughs> children. But everything else is available. PG and I are celebrating 50 years of mostly bliss November 22nd. You and Michael should at least try to book a long weekend. We can play at numerous courses in Palm Beach. Book early. You get the TK discount free. Regards, DG. (laughs) Tell him you'll meet him at the Publix Bakery. Just (laughs) getting the fresh hollows. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right across the street. In the little bitty shopping center there. There's a Panera. There's a Panera bread there. There's also Starbucks. That's right. That's right. So, lovely. Um, I don't really have anything else. Oh, I have one other thing that I wanted to discuss. You did find Amazon Prime last night? Carol found it. Carol gets it, so I was able... Yeah, I was able to watch. Did you uh, go away from the game to start watching Rings of Power? <laughs> no, I didn't. I, no, I, that doesn't look good. Galadriel. I don't, or those or are those, No, those are those yeah, little hobbits. Yes. Yeah, I you, don't want to watch hobbits. But you know, you can watch Greg's show sprung on Amazon Prime. I thought it was only on Freevee. Well, I think Freevee is, is, a, is a, either a subsidiary, it's somehow part of Amazon, so you can watch it on Amazon Prime. Isn't everything part of Amazon? <laughs> Did you see Roger Goodell sitting with Bezos? No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is look. We're going to have Jason Lock and Four on. This is a bet that the NFL is making. This is a bet, and I will get Jason to explain it to us. I just wanted to read this one other thing. This is from Jason Rhodes, a different Jason, not Lock and Four, in Asheville, North Carolina. Asheville is like the most trendy East Coast city in in America, right? In the East Coast. Ask Arch Campbell. You know, yeah, he's he's there all the time. It's an artsy place in northwestern. North Carolina by the Tennessee border. Am I correct on correct. that? Correct. So it's sort of like an Austin, you yeah. know, the East. Except it doesn't have the University of Texas Gilmore there. State. <laughs> no, it doesn't <laughs> have that. Not yet. Sort of like Frostburg, except <laughs> different. Dear Mr. Tony, this is from Jason Rhodes. I don't know how many Mountaineer Littles there are, but if you have more than just me, you have probably received this email with varying degrees of derision. The correct pronunciation of the university is a short A in the middle. Appalachian, Appalachian State. They are the team that beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M last week after some years back scoring the biggest upset in the history of college football, beating Michigan at the Big House when they were like a D2 team. And I know it's Appalachian State. I'll explain this in a second. It's a common mistake that people outside of the region make, but you'll have an even more special place in all of our mountaineer hearts if you pronounce it correctly. 
By the way, a Whopper in beautiful Boone, North Carolina is 519. That's killing me. <laughs> 519 <laughs> information for life. I have thought about this. I appreciate this, Jason. And I knew it was Appalachian State. And I think the reason I said Appalachian was because there is a town in upstate New York, about 25 miles west, I think, of Binghamton, called Appalachian. It may be Appalachian, but it, I always thought it was Appalachian. And why it is famous, and people can look this up, in the 1950s, there was a raid on a bunch of mobsters in what I thought was Appalachian, New York. Again, 20 miles or so west of Binghamton. A bunch of mobsters were dragged in, and it was famous for an hour and a half. I don't know why all the mobsters were in western New York, um, but they were. Was that but I, f- thought it was, I thought that was Appalachian. Maybe that's Appalachian as well. This is Appalachian, you know, the, the college. And was I got that, that was that mobster thing, was that involving Velachi? Was that the guy? I think so. Yeah. Joe Velachi. Uh, yeah, it was upstate New York. Yeah, they were, they're having a big meeting. And the cop- well, do you listen to this show? Because I just sort of said that. Yeah, but the, but the cops, uh, yeah, they they that was the first bust of the of the mafia at that point. Yes. Okay. I'm looking at Michael. Like, were you looking at him? Does Sorry, he- I was looking at <laughs> other things. I think I just said that. I think I said they busted a bunch of mob guys. Yeah, but that was the first. Is it 20 miles from Binghamton? Uh, 20, uh, 30 miles west of let, Binghamton let me, on Route let me 17. Look that up. Why don't you look that up? And in the interim, oh, from Jared Chauffeur in uh, Washington. I've seen four JB license plates in the last week. That's all. I've seen that too. They're at they're, they're JB. Again, we've still not seen GX, GY, GZ. Have we seen GW? No. Just stopped at GV. But I thought they would skip GW because just to the university. I'm not I, maybe, but but they've skipped GX, GY, and GZ. I'm as still well. upset we didn't get the JA. Why don't you call Adonde and see if he could put a call in for you? Your license plate's really good, it though. Gro- it grows on me, yes. It's really good. It's got the exact separation. It's really good. Okay, um, we'll get out of here now. I, I rambled. Uh, Jason Locken 4 is with us when we return. Did you look that up? I am still efforting that. Okay. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Brian Stumpf, who was in a band called Damn It Lauren. Damn It Lauren, from Big Sky, Montana, once again reaching out with music from our latest release, Electric Restlessness. When you played a track off our demo in 2019, we thought it was our big break, but similar to listening to the show itself, all that happened was some old and middle-aged men shouted the cheesery at us, and nothing else much substance occurred. Whenever this happens, I always respond in kind with a TK salute, but nobody ever thinks that's as funny. The attached track, Strange Honey, is inspired by an article that Lauren read in which a confused beekeeper later discovers that the reason for his honey coming out in an assortment of colors is due to the hive frequenting a nearby candy factory. Lauren tends to combine her unique and soulful crooning with interesting and tongue-twisting wordplay that is sure to impress. Again, this is called Strange Honey. 
This is Damn It Lauren, which is a great name for a band. <laughs> and it plays in Jason Lock and Fora. And I think, Jason, I think we have to start. Um, by the way, for those people who don't know this, Jason is writing uh, weekly in the Washington Post, and it's wonderful, back where his roots started in the Washington Post. Uh, the, the Kansas City Chargers game, I think, lived up to it. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a great game to start the Thursday night with, and both sides were really good. What was your number one takeaway from it? Um, I, I just think the Chiefs are a team that somehow um, fell through the cracks a little bit in the offseason hype um, machine, and you didn't hear as much about them, and when you did, it was a lot of, you know, well, they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, yeah, right? supposedly in trouble. Really? Yeah, and then really? I, I'm old enough to remember this like little mini Orlando Brown holdout, and he ended up coming back in the fold because he didn't have a whole lot of other you know choices with the way this collective bargaining agreement works. And it's it's a really good football team, and they've improved defensively, I think, somewhat dramatically, and and certainly they kind of did that quietly because they're doing that right, like. Well, you're seeing huge splash move after splash move for quarterbacks and wide receivers, and they're on the other end of one of those wide receiver, um, one of those wide receiver transactions. I, I Andy Reid has his team prepared and ready to go, and the combination of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes is is daunting for for any opponent any given week. Um, you know, I thought he'd throw for another touchdown or two in that game. You know, he had the, the little shovel pass with, with Kelsey that got pretty close, and, and I'm sure they'll, look, they'll go back and look at a few situations where the offense wasn't, you know, at optimal efficiency. But two really good teams. Obviously, the pick six yeah. is sort of the difference in the game. The, the Chargers uh, – on a night where they they weren't at full capacity, right? They're dealing with some injury situations and, and some guys who played, but you know, are kind of just getting just getting back. Um, those those two teams always tend to play games that come down to one score and are tight all the way through. And and that was um, that was another one. But man, when you outplay the Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead the way the Chargers did in the first half. You got to have a cushion, you know. You got to be up by ten. You got to be up by multiple scores, or there's a pretty good chance they're going to make some adjustments, and they're going to come out in that second half and take it to you. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think you could. It's easy to isolate certain things. I think it's interceptions and non-interceptions. The yeah. ball that hits the ground and you don't get an interception, and then the other guy returns it, you know, ninety-eight yards. For a touchdown, they are really good teams. They are in a really good division, by far the best division uh, in the NFL. And last week, when the Chargers played the Raiders, that was a really good game. I believe that every divisional game in that division is going to be worth watching because I, I, I think a Super Bowl champion could come out of that division. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're you're either going to see sort of that phenomenon where they've played these playoff games all through the season because I, I think yeah. they're going to look at it the same way you're talking about it. Like when we're playing somebody in the AFC West, 
it's for all the marbles because these tiebreakers are going to be crazy. And, you know, the odds of all of us going to the playoffs um, are bleak because we're, we're not in the NFC, we're in the AFC. So there's a lot of other good teams in other divisions as well. So um, that that's either, I think, going to have them kind of steeled and ready come postseason time, or it may take a toll physically um, and emotionally. And, and some of those teams, because it was such a gauntlet, just to win games in your division might be um, on fumes by the time we get to, to January. I'm not sure how that's going to play out. But, yeah, like, you could throw any of those games in a primetime window, and I don't think anybody would have a whole lot of reason to complain about it. I, agree. I, I think that, I agree. that all those teams have enough to offer that they're worthy of sort of that, that national um, yeah. that national look-see on a, on a week-in, week-out basis. Um, this game was on Amazon. I didn't know that we had Amazon in my house, but we (laughs) did. My wife has Amazon, so that's fine. What is the bet? I was talking with my son before the show, and I was saying the NFL is betting on Amazon, but he said, well, the NFL, you know, when ESPN got Monday Night Football, you know, and and it was on cable. Yeah, people were excluded as well. You just don't think of it in quite the same way. And he is, of course, right. This feels like a greater exclusion, but maybe because I'm old and I don't know that I have all of these things. But uh, not only what is the bet, I'm also going to assume and correct me if I'm wrong that at least in the cities of the competing teams, it's going to be on on a local outlet. Isn't that the rule? Yeah, I I believe that's the case. I um. I'm a complete and utter dinosaur as well when it comes to technology or anybody changing anything from sort of where I usually yeah. find it. Yeah. Um, I I do have these, like, fire stick thingies, though. So I knew when we cut the cord this summer and kind of went to streaming versus, you know, an old sort of cable package, I knew we were good for this because, like, the thing I installed was literally – like it got shipped to us from Amazon. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. well, I must, if I have this fire stick thingy that I'm now using, it, it must give me access to the games. And, and it was pretty clear the moment that you loaded it, that it did, because it was already sort of promoing them. I mean, when, there's, when, you're, when you're getting this much of a financial subsidy and your product is sort of this woven into the water cooler, or I guess now Zoom, um, Zoom to Zoom, uh, daily interactions of people through work, through their kids' games, through, you know, going to a bar or whatever. I I don't know that there's a whole lot of risk for them. I I think that the the idea is, you know, more and more people are getting, are, are consuming sports and other things through sort of what you and I would consider, you know, outside the mainstream or non traditional ways. Mm -hmm. And, that's more and more becoming the norm and it's only one game a week and it's a game that you know and a lot of times people are critical of right because it is sloppy or you have everybody's got to play there once so you're showcasing teams it's not going to be the AFC West every single Thursday it can't be everybody's got to play on Thursday night um I don't so I don't think it's you know and now you know how many shots of Bezos did we get with Goodell last night and now you know, is is Bezos sort of becoming like the 
the 33rd owner, and if at some point he wants in on one of these teams, you know, does this kind of further his entree? So I don't know how much of a risk it, it really is. Um, I feel like Amazon is so everywhere anyway that, you know, so many people have had some sort of transaction or interaction with them, and that they already have everybody's stuff, right? Like, I don't even know if you've got to find them. They're going to find you. They're kind of like Big Brother. I mean, they're they're everywhere. So follow the money, Tone, and that's usually yeah. going to answer your football okay. questions. All right. Let me get to more specific football questions because I am interested in that as to what the bet is. At my age, you know, they're not – they don't care about me. They care about <laughs> younger people. Yeah. What did you think, Jason? <clears throat> what did you think of Hackett's decision oh boy. vis-a-vis Dayball's decision? Well, I, I give him credit for – coming out the next day and owning it and sort of not hiding behind these narratives of, well, we know better than you. We're smarter than you. We've got the MIT kids in our headset and you don't, so you don't know right. and you'll never know. Um, he, you know, the about face that he did 18 hours later, I think was necessary. And I, I thought he did it in a forthright manner. So I, I applaud him for that. But there was a series of incidents in that game where you're kind of the shotgun runs, you know, down by the one. Russ not getting more opportunities in the goal line um, to affect those goal line plays himself. And then obviously, I mean, that much time left on the road in that stadium that is anything but kicker friendly. It's It's more like kicker hostile. And that distance when uh, – you know, fourth and five is not ideal, but it's not like that's foreign terrain for Russell Wilson. It's kind of like the very reason you gave all that up in the first place. You kind of throw all that in a bullion base. It doesn't taste very good. Right. Um, and you could certainly make the case that that rookie head coach, um, he was the only one of the, of the five to lose that week, and you could say that it was his decisions that had – a significantly impactful, you know, re- effect on that outcome. So I think he'll learn from it. Um, he'd better. The interesting backdrop there, Tony, is the whole ownership thing, you know, where that transaction was sort of made official and finalized a little bit down the road. And you, you do wonder with the new owner who has those kind of pockets, you know, they clearly, I think, are going to love what they've got in the quarterback. But how long of a leash does Hackett get? Yeah, with the Walmart will be very people. interesting because the you know we know there's these Sean Paytons and all these guys sort of there. There is a group laying in the weeds. There will be an, a lot of guys who get fired in this league because that's how it goes. So it's not as if you know Walton won't have options if he decides. You know what? That guy's holding us back. Yeah, yeah. That, that, one of the things I said on PTI the next day is there's two things at work here. One is he doesn't want to lose the quarterback that they just got for the next 400 years or the team around him. And two, he doesn't want to lose his job, if not this job, the next job. You don't want to appear like an intransigent moron. Yeah. So you come back out and you say what you say. Uh, closer to home for you. Are we going to hear about Lamar Jackson's contract all year? <laughs> or is there, is there going to be a, a moratorium on it? 
Well, look, he's not saying anything else about it. There are some people who came out this week, you know, he talks on Wednesdays and kind of tried to yeah. to go to little something-something out of him. He, he's not going to engage. The team certainly is not going to engage. There, There isn't anything going on there. Um, it is what it is. He's going to get franchised next year. He'll get the exclusive rights franchise tag. They'll have till the middle of July to work something out. Um, it could be that he's traded before that. Um, it could be that that July, that mid-July deadline spurs some transactions-type uh, situations. But I, I, is it the prism that all things Ravens will be looked at through? This entire season, of course. Yes, it is. They don't have call certainty or security with the best player on their roster and someone who's they've built this entire thing around. I mean, it, it is completely and entirely a team that is built in that quarterback's likeness for what they think, you know, the, the margins they can exploit and the things they can do better than you because of his very unique skill set. So, Everything he does positively, right, further tips the scales for him. And it's like, well, what's Bashadi going to do in March when if this guy keeps playing like that? There has always been um, a loud minority of people who just don't like, just never want to buy into this kid in the first place. So they obviously grab their bullhorns anytime he makes a mistake because, God forbid, he's anything less than perfect every time he's on a football field. Um, and they've got some issues in their team construction right now. Uh, center to left tackle has to be a concern for them right now for various reasons. We'll see if J.K. Dobbins can eventually come back and be a truly dynamic force in the run game because the other guys, um, and he's coming back from a massive injury, the other guys they have running the ball are not special. It is not the greatest group of receivers in the history of the world. So, you know, there's things he has to overcome as well, and there's so much expected of him that I think you'd have to be really, really naive not to think this is the prevailing subplot for this football team every time they take the field. I totally agree with that. All right, Jason, plug your radio show for us. Uh, you guys can check me out from 2 to 6 every weekday on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. If you are in the Baltimore area, this afternoon we'll be at the Cross Street Market, so please swing by and say hello. And as Tony mentioned, um, it's awesome to be back with the Washington, Washington Post. Post. So I will be reporting on the NFL throughout Great. the season, um, twice every week, midweek, and then also um, I think my weekend notes will run on Saturday. So it's awesome to be back with so many talented people there who are, are there from from uh, when I left. And I guess you can go back home again at least a little bit. So that's been uh, that's been amazing and. Uh, yeah. Good. Hope you guys have a great weekend. All right. Talk to you next week. Jason Lockton for Simply the Best. That's <laughs> all. It's pretty simple. He's simply the best. We'll take a break. Jeff Ma will join us. Jeff Ma was three and two last week. Let's see what he does this week. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Dammit Lauren, one of the great names ever. Dammit Lauren with something called Electric Restlessness, the title track for the debut release. It can be found at dammitlauren.bandcamp.com, where interested parties can pay as much as they like for our music. A small donation will certainly net us more than the one-tenth of a cent we get per play at Spotify. Considering that is how most streaming services compensate artists, I think you may be right. The internet is the worst. Lastly, please tell Steve Sigourney to eat it. Steve Sigourney's been writing us from Big Sky, Montana yes, for years has. and years and years. Michael, if groups like Damn It Lauren want to submit their music, how do they do it? Please send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Maybe next email we find, we'll find out what Lauren did. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Lauren. It's really good. Uh, Jeff Ma joins us. Jeff was three and two. We had a very interesting results last week. Chuck Todd was four and three, the worst percentage of the three. Jeff Ma, three and two, the second percentage, and the monkey was two and one. And the monkey, by the way, won last night because the Chargers got four, and they only lost by three at Kansas City. Chuck Todd taking it in the chops and the monkey winning that. (laughs) Jeff, before we get to the games, I do want to ask this. I mean, you sit out of football, the most heavily bet sport in the United States of America. You sit out for months and months and months and months. And then you finally get a game. And it's week one, and I wonder about reaction, overreaction to week one. Do you see that in the lines? Do you, do you get a sense of what people are betting that they are sort of jumping in a little bit too deep? Yeah, I mean, I think basically you, you do see some overreaction. I mean, I think the biggest difference between week one and week two is the real tangible difference is, is injuries that happen in week one. And, and you're seeing that in, in some of the lines. I know that earlier in the week you talked about not understanding this New England line and yeah. Pittsburgh. And the, the reason that the line is what it is is Pittsburgh it, it got pretty beat up in week one. Um, and New England had a scare with Mac Jones, but it looks like he's okay. And, and they're much healthier than Pittsburgh is. And sort of Pittsburgh losing guys like T.J. Watt, um, are pretty tangible and pretty, um, you know, it, it makes a difference for the point spread. Um, I think, you know, a line like Atlanta and the Rams, that was, you know, no, going to be north of like 13 or something like that before. Now it's closer to 10, and, and that's a little bit of a reaction to the fact that the Rams didn't look very good um, in, in the first week of the season. So. I, I do think you see a little bit of, of, uh, of overreactions and reactions, but the most tangible reactions are often going to be based on injuries. Let me go back to the New England thing because, yeah, I mean, Chuck Todd and I were saying, really? New England is favored on the road by one and a half? So that's you analyze it as injuries and not some sort of craziness. Yeah, no, we, have, we had uh, on Bet the Process this week, we had – a guy by the name of Ed Salmon's on, and Ed is the um, VP of Risk Management at the Superbook in Las Vegas. And we asked him specifically about that game, and he was just saying that, you know, they, they had all these guys on Pittsburgh that were injured um, and even nicked up guys like, you know, Najee Harris and whatnot. So it, it, is, it is a situation where they are reacting to the fact that they believe that Pittsburgh took, took a, a fair amount of injury in, in week one. Well, let, let me do one other game, the other game that surprised me a lot. Tennessee. Now, I understand Tennessee lost at home. It's a really bad loss to the Giants. I understand they're at Buffalo. Buffalo looks really good. 
<clears throat> but Tennessee, Jeff, was the number one seed in the AFC playoffs last year. They've been a playoff team for a few years. To get 10 struck me as an enormous number. How about you? Yeah, it is definitely a very big number. And again, like that's certainly one of the ones that we can talk about being a bit of an overreaction for week one, which is, to your point, Tennessee did not look very good against the Giants. Right. And Buffalo certainly looked like the yep. odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl. So, you know, that line, I think the look-ahead line was something like seven and a half. So you are seeing, you know, a couple points, like two to three points of line move based on what happened in week one. Now, your job as a better is to understand, is that change real or is that change just a perception based on one week that you want to bet against? And typically you're going to want to bet against something like that. Okay. Um, so give us the games you like this week. I'm going to take the Saints plus the two and a half over Tampa. Again, we, we talked a little bit about uh, this Tampa team um, this week on Bet Process, and it, it, it seems like this Tampa team is a little bit older, a little bit more beat up, and a little bit um, you know on, on more of the downswing than people believe. Now they came out and looked amazing or whatever against a very pedestrian <laughs> Cowboys team. Yeah, And so – I think you're seeing that reflected in this. this. The Saints showed a little bit of life. I think James showed a little bit of life. And I like them plus the two and a half over Tampa here. Okay, so that has dropped from three uh, in the last 24 hours. What else? I actually like New England minus the two over Pittsburgh. Really? For the reasons that we talked about. Pittsburgh being pretty beat up. And honestly, like I need to give your listeners a reason to give me crap on Twitter because that's what they do every time <laughs> New England loses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that is that line has changed. Also, they were they were given one and a half. Now that that's gone up, they're giving more points. So a lot of people must agree with you, right? Yeah, it looks like it's moving even more. Like I've seen some go to two and a half. So wow. I'll probably grab that two here. And you know, honestly, there's a there's a there's definitely a world where in two to three weeks, everyone's going to be looking around and saying, "Well, New England really is just that bad." Um, I'm not ready to make that assessment yet, and I'm going to give another shot here against the banged-up Pittsburgh team. Okay. What else? I'm going to take Dallas plus the 7.5 over Cincinnati. Obviously, this is a huge reaction to the injuries that Dallas has, um, not just in the quarterback situation. But, I, I don't, you know, one of one of your coworkers and at the, the station that you uh, – the media outlet that you're part of, uh, Skip Bayless, says that he thinks that Cooper Rush might be better than Dak Prescott. So there we go. Um, we got Dallas plus the seven and a half. I, I just think it's too many points. I think Cincinnati is a bit of an overrated team that everyone saw go to the Super Bowl last year. And the reality is um, that was a little bit of a fluke. And you know, last week they played pretty mediocre football against Pittsburgh. And I, I just think this is too many points. It's an overreaction. This is uh, Wilbon, too. Wilbon, the, the, the team he trusts least in the NFL is Cincinnati. Year after year after year. He just thinks they're bums and they're, they bubble up and then they recede back into the ooze. Okay, what else? I'm going to take Seattle plus the nine over San Francisco. Um, you know, obviously Seattle looked, looked pretty going into this season. I think based on preseason and based on things that happened, many betters thought they were going to be the worst team in the NFL. They played well against Denver um, in what was probably a very emotional game, and you know there's a chance that this is sort of a letdown after that. Um, I just think it's too many points for a San Francisco team that's sort of beat up and, and trying to find itself. And 
Trey Lance is trying to find himself. I mean, you know, the the idea that they could come home and, you know, figure this all out and blow out Seattle, um, that is certainly an outcome. But I think plus nine with a Seattle team that still has many weapons and still has some good veterans on defense, um, I'll, I'll take the points. Is there an ability, I assume anyone can bet on anything, is there a line as to when Jimmy Garoppolo is going to become the starting quarterback for San Francisco? Is there something as exotic as that? Yeah, I think you could probably get that in some of the European bets. I, I don't really think there's there's that that's necessarily offered in the U.S. Um, right now. Um, it's a it's it's an interesting question because they did make this commitment to Trey Lance because I do think they think he has a much higher ceiling and they feel like they got what they were going to get with Jimmy last year in the NFC Championship and that just wasn't enough. Um, I think they're going to stick with Trey Lance. I think they're committed to him. Um, you know, I think last week was a tough week because of the conditions. It really, you know, sort of was a <laughs> was a bad uh, game to sort of measure Lance's ability. So I to swamp uh, out there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough to say that that was a measure of his, his true ability. So I, I think they're going to give him a pretty long leash here. Um, I'll think they'll win this game, but I do think it'll be, um, closer than, than the nine points. Okay. Got another one for us. Yeah. We got, we're going to take Minnesota plus the two over Philly. This is a little bit of a situation where, People are overreacting, where people are reacting to week one. But I do think this Minnesota team is a very good team, and I think the addition by subtraction of getting rid of Zimmer is really big for them. Um, and if they are going to be one of the best teams in the NFC, this is a game that they've got to win going into Philly. Uh, Philly gave up a ton of points to Detroit last week. Yes. Um, they yes. were a team that everyone believed was going to be. You know, it's A lot of people thought they were sort of the NFC darling or the yep. sleeper this year. Um they may not be as good as we think they are, and so this is a this is definitely me betting that Minnesota is um, is a much better team that they've been in the past, and, and will be one of the elite teams in the NFC. When I'll get you out of here on this, when we talk about reacting and overreacting, do you notice anything um, because of the decision that Nathaniel Hackett made in his first game at Denver? Are you seeing anything in the lines where people have no confidence in him and will bet against Denver so that those the point spread changes. Well, I mean, Denver's 10-point favorites over Houston, so I don't Houston stinks. necessarily yeah. think that that's reflected in that. Um, it's one decision. I mean, I think that I've seen some people talk a little bit about how, you know, if, if that field goal is X percentage chance of happening, blah, blah, blah. It, it was, I mean, I think the fact that he kind of owned the mistake, I like that. Um, these These decisions are not, it's funny because, like, we can look at them from afar and be like, oh, that's clearly a mistake. But I think in the moment, these decisions are are tough. I mean, if you remember the the uh, Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl, back you had two of the most experienced coaches at the end of that game, both of them not really knowing what the hell to do in terms of timeouts. Right. And, and what ended up happening was sort of a panic throw that led to the end of the game, but it was – you know, even in the, the, the most experienced coaches in the moment don't really know what to do. That's why human decision-making in these in these situations probably isn't the best thing. They should have things mapped out and know what to do in almost every situation and just kind of go off of what the sort of computers tell them to do. And in that situation, certainly taking a timeout and going for it was the right thing to do. Well, Hackett, Hackett said our plan was to get to the 46 and try and kick a field goal. 
I mean, that he it was not a human decision at that point. I think it was probably based on numbers at that point. And by the way, the kick was long enough, Jeff. If the kick goes through, nobody is saying boo as a result of that, right? Nobody says a word. Still a terrible decision in your own mind, but right, nobody says a word if the kick goes. Well, the thing is, there's still there's still some time, right? So that's right. There was what twenty some seconds left. Yeah, we've seen people come down and get field goals in, in shorter amounts of time than that. So, you know, I agree with you, Tony. We're very we're a very results oriented yep. society, yep. and all of our decisions are based on results. That's why we have a podcast called Bet the Process. Yes, which is to talk about the process by which we do things, like the the process that a monkey does goes through. <laughs> is you know you, you can't question that because it's just the process. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Ma, boys and girls, you can listen to him and Rufus Peabody on Bet the Process. Thank you, Jeff. Talk to you next week. Okay, bye, Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls, we will take a break. Email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. I love them. They're gone. Yes, they are. They're gone. That's so sad for me. You want to do the Bethesda Bagels ad, Nigel? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. Before we get to the mailbag, we're going to do Paul Simon lyrics. And Nigel and I talked about these lyrics yesterday. Paul Simon is simply brilliant. Simply brilliant. Yes. These are the days of miracle and wonder. This is the long-distance call, the way the camera follows us in slow-mo, the way we look to us all, the way we look to a distant constellation that's dying in the corner of the sky. These are the days of miracle and wonder. And don't cry, baby. Don't cry. Don't cry. He's, he's just it. Yeah. He's it. Paul Simon. Thanks to our guests today, Jason Lockenfora and Jeff Ma. Thanks to our sponsor, Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple, please leave us a review. From Carl and us, we go New York. I've always been a National League purist. I've begrudgingly accepted the universal designated hitter, expanded playoffs, and a runner on second in extra innings. I will admit those have helped the game. I didn't really want the shift to be eliminated, but I have heard some very good arguments for it, so I am on the fence about that. As for the pitch clock, my first experience with that was at Lachiserie Night in Syracuse. There were 23 runs and 21 hits in that game, but it still clocked in at under three hours. The pace of play was refreshing. I think I could get on board with a pitch clock. If that's the case, everybody can get on board. Three hours is the magic number. That's what you want. Close to 10. Yeah. From Ed Butt. Yes, Tony, there is a twice-weekly Loyal Littles podcast, but it is not about your podcast, per se. Rather, it is driven by the community which you have created. It is about those of us who have bonded with other smart and funny people because of you. The two middle segments of each hour-long podcast are Meet the Littles. In them, Chuck and Roxy, their stage names, have now interviewed over 170 Littles from around the country and even around the world. We find out about them, where they grew up, where their fandom lies, how they became fans of the TK podcast, etc. More importantly, we are entertained by their demonstrating again and again that your fans are in in fact, smart and funny. Oh, and we find out if Uranus jokes are not funny or never not funny, and if the little is over or under, and whether they chuck Todd it. Ed Butt, episode 51. Even some bigs have come on the pod. Gary, Jeannie, Tori, Bonnie, Saliza, Claude, Phil the Show Killer, always a treat. I didn't know this. It's wonderful. It does sound wonderful, doesn't it? It does. It, right? Doesn't yeah. that sound good? Uh, from Thomas Crummer in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. 
King Charles III, KC3, is it time to welcome an era of unbridled optimism for Great Britain? KC3? It's funny. From Abraham in Silver Spring, we never got a proper update on Simply Safe cameras that I assume are still running at the old studio. Who is stonewalling that investigation? Of course they're running. They're battery-powered forever and ever. Forever. Much like uh, a Quip toothbrush, <laughs> which used to be a sponsor. From Ben Champa in Capitol Hill. I know this go. You know, you know what I don't know about some of the sponsors we used to have? Did they go out of business? Did they just drop us or did they go out of business? I mean, I, that's what I don't know. I'm sort of curious yeah, about it. Yeah, case by case. A lot of times they just mine you for your email list and then they feel like they have taken your listener and now it's their customer. Okay. So you're sort of, you've been tossed aside. Yeah, well, that happens. That's the story of my life. I know this goes back a few months, but could you please remind me which rice cooker is the good one? You know, the one from Japan. My wife wants one from her birth, wants one for her birthday, and because this show stinks, she isn't a little. So we're covered there, but if I recall correctly, the littles knew which one to get. Or could you send the one Michael got for his wedding? Which is your rice cooker? Because I don't have one. Really? I'm looking up the Japanese one. Jonathan Scriven, formerly from Nice, France, and now back in D.C., with some of the recent talk about holes in one and near holes in one, I want to share my own story, one that's pretty remarkable. I was playing at a fundraising tournament in Trotter's Glen and Olney, a course that I think might actually be closed now. My playing partner, Mindy, was a colleague at a school where I was teaching, and on a front nine par three, she hit a shot that we lost in the mist and fog of the early morning. We knew it was a good shot, though, and when we approached the green, we looked for it near the hole. Couldn't find it anywhere. As we raked our clubs through the rough near the green looking for our ball, a groundskeeper on a riding mower turned off his engine and said to us, it's in the hole. It's our first ever hole in one, but wait, there's more. On the 12th hole, playing at about 140 and slightly downhill, it's my turn. My tee shot, with a nine iron, I think, looked perfect, and it was. Two bounces, a roll of about 15 feet and directly into the hole. As I celebrated with Mindy, we both heard a voice say, you've got to be kidding me. Behind us, watching from his riding mower, was the same groundskeeper who had witnessed Mindy's hole in one just about an hour before. At the end of the round, the groundskeeper vouched for us in the clubhouse, and we had a photo taken with a small note that for a while was posted behind the cash register at Trotter's Glen. But as I mentioned, I think the course is now permanently closed, meaning that the round for all rounds, when two playing partners playing in just a twosome, each got their first holes in one during the same round, is only a memory that makes me smile every time I think about it. EA Sports, it's in the game. <laughs> From Phil in Tucson, Arizona, I about drove off the road laughing when you and the crew tried to figure out what instrument I play. That's because he does the. That's the euphonium. Euphonium, yes, not the vibranium. I waited a couple. The vibranium or the uranium. <laughs> I waited a couple of shows to see if an email would get through about my instrument, but I see I may be the only one who plays it. As the official euphoniumist of the stinky show, I already understand why euphonium is so hard to remember. In fact, Phonotopia Tuba Euphonium Quartet was named after someone's attempt to remember the word euphonium. Now I can copyright Vibranium Tuba Euphonium Quartet and Uranium 235 Tuba Euphonium Quartet in honor of this show. From Bill Isaacson, last week you asked, where is Naperville? Naperville is in Illinois, and it is where I spent first grade in the frightening class of the glowering nun Sister Vincel. Sister Vincel may be more familiar to you from when she was played as Sister Mary Stigmata in the Blues Brothers movie. <laughs> wow! With respect to what was my favorite snack then, it was a piece of candy after we sat in silence eating our lunch, watching the ruler in Sister Vincel's fist. <laughs> I had access to a daily piece of candy because there was a store across the street from the playground, and my mother would put a quarter in my lunch because she felt, felt bad about sending me into the clutches of Sister Vincel's Stigmata every day. Good times. <laughs> that's such a great... That's great. If you're out on your bike time... Zoji Rushi. 
Yeah. Hmm? The rice maker, Zoji Rushi. Available on Amazon Prime. Tell it. Uh, Z-O-J-I-R-U-S-H-I. Okay. So and, we're helping. And Binghamton to, how do we say it? Appalachian? A- Appalachian? I said Appal- Appalachian. I think it's about 20, 30 miles. 15.4 miles. Okay. We'll give you credit for that. Small little town. Yeah. In, on the way to Western New York in Southern New York. Yeah, just an 18-minute drive. And that's where, the, that's where the mob was busted. Right. First time. That's, that's, and everybody said... What are they doing here? <laughs> exactly. What are they doing What's, here? Yeah. What? I think what? The, the FBI was just writing, furiously writing down license plate numbers to try and track everyone down as they fled. It's like the beginning of that Al Pacino movie where they tell you you're going to get free Yankee tickets. <laughs> and they all convene and With you Ellen get Barkin, the, the, um, Ellen Barkin. Sea of Love, right? It's a great, if you haven't seen it, <laughs> yes. if it's steamy, if you haven't seen it. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone is always do wear white. I wish one of your guys had children if I could kick them in the face. I had a stomp on their testicles so you could feel my pain because that's the pain I had waking up every day. <laughs> Mike. From a factory, manufacturing maraschino chairs. He worked there every day, six to five. He'd come on smelling like formaldehyde, and I see him walking up and down the block. I kind of stalked him until I got cold, and he asked me my name. The only two things that I ever crave. Could the stranger be the perfect man For a girl who likes a royal land He asked me over to his backyard What he showed me got me off guard When he handed me a jar
started cooling down Had to play some gigs out of town Asked if you would come away with me But his silence was deafening He finally asked who will watch the bees And who will make the maraschino cherries And I 